KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. I tried to treat people fairly. I tried to get kids to work as hard as they could and develop the best they could. I just wanted people to do things the right way. I didn't want them to take shortcuts. They're just life lessons. A lot of people are teaching the same things. I don't think I'm standing out among other people in other fields, but I hope I've been as consistent as possible. And our guest this week is Tony Chapman. He was the longtime head boys basketball coach at Holy Ghost Prep, just retired after 45 years, 928 victories. And Tony, thanks so much for coming in studio. My pleasure. So does life feel any different yet? Uh, it does not. Uh, I think it's going to take a little while once the uh, the program starts moving on and you know, there might be some things I'm used to doing that I won't be doing, and I'm, I'm sure I'll feel it at that point. What went into the decision to retire? Why was this the right time? I, I guess there were a number of factors. Uh, number one, my family gave up an awful lot for a long time, uh, so I'll get to spend more time uh, you know, with my family members. I feel, I'm not going to say disconnected, but I don't feel as close to the, to the players as I used to, just simply by age. Things change for me. I'm getting older life's changing. They're still 17, 18 years old, different kids, but still the same age. So uh, it's. Just, I just felt it was time to do something different and to pass this on to someone younger. Was this something that had kind of been on the agenda for the last few years? Like something that had been, I'm getting close and let's start to figure out the specific exit strategy? Yes. Yes, this was not something that I went down to the last two games and thought, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop coaching. Now, I, I thought about this for a while. It was actually my family um, encouraged me to still stay in this year. I, I was close to leaving last year, but I'm glad I stayed in, and yeah, you know, it's the right time. What was the final few games like for you, knowing that, and you know, you get into tournament where it's eventually going to end, and it's going to end probably like that. You know, what was the emotions you were feeling the, the last few times on the sidelines? I have to smile a little bit at this because we had our last home game, and. It seemed like that would be the last time I'd be coaching at Holy Ghost, but that was the last regular season home game. So we had another home game, and, uh, you know, well, this is definitely going to be the last one. And then the way the district tournament worked out, we won that game and then lost the next game, which gave us another home game. So there were three times I thought it might be the last home game. Uh, Jane is my wife, you know, has, has the whole family there once, twice, three times, taking all these pictures and so it was, it was kind of comical, but, uh, yeah, I, especially when I knew that I, I'll remember walking off the court downstairs, uh, for that, that third time, because I, I knew that was definitely going to be it. And then we, you know, we went on in the playoffs, we got to the, you know, the state tournament and, uh, you know, we were eliminated, but I, I knew at that point, the team we played was pretty powerful and our chances of winning were very slim. So I, you know, knew going in then that would be, that would be the last game. Was it surreal or was it kind of just the end of the chapter? No, I wasn't surreal. It's just the end of the chapter. And I think part of this is I'd still like to stay somewhat involved, if I can, in basketball at the school, meaning uh, I, I do not want to run practices. Uh, I do not want to, uh, at least the first year, uh, be at a lot of games. I may pick a couple. But I'd like to do some things on the side for example, maybe watch some film and help the uh, next coach out or 
get involved in a summer camp or some summer league coaching if I can help out in that way. So I guess with that in the back of my mind, I'm thinking I'm stepping down as head coach, but still hoping to stay involved a little bit. So like you said, your term, you know, end of a chapter, I think applies, you know, more with, with the way I felt. And I guess you're still going to be the dean of students, right? So I am. You're still going to Holy Ghost yeah, every day, right, a lot of that. Right, right. I'll still have connection with the kids and uh, I'll still be going in, you know, into work every day. Correct. So let's go back in the time machine. Was basketball as a kid your sport or were you playing whatever was going on in the neighborhood? Playing whatever's going on in the neighborhood. The irony of the, of the whole situation, I played probably from from eight, nine years old, played baseball and, and football. I never played on an organized basketball team until my freshman year at Holy Ghost. And then as it turned out, well, Holy Ghost did not have a football team. Uh, I stayed with baseball. I wound up going to LaSalle College, now university, and playing baseball. But basketball came in relatively late. My coaches at the time, I remember them telling me, especially one coach, Ted Grabowski, said, you're inexperienced. You don't know the things that the other kids do, but I look at it as an advantage because you don't have the bad habits that the other kids have because you've never really played before. So fortunately, I was involved, you know, with some pretty good coaches there, and I, I learned from the get-go, you know, I guess the right ways, and, you know, it worked out. Did you always, or I shouldn't say always because you started so late, but when does the idea of coaching come into your atmosphere? When is it something you started to think, oh, that would be cool? Or does an opportunity just kind of present itself and you jumped at it? Well, athletics was a, a major part of my life. Way back when, in order to get into coaching, you had to teach. The same gentleman I just mentioned, Ted Grabowski, is probably the biggest influence on my going into education and, and wanting to teach because of the effect he had on me at Holy Ghost. And then it just seemed like a natural if I was going to get involved in, in teaching. You know, I loved athletics, so coaching was kind of go and you know, would go with it. And I, I jumped at the opportunities when they came along. Where were you before you started at Holy Ghost? Did you coach at any level before you took over? What was it in 1978? My first year coaching at all was 1976 at Holy Ghost. Okay. Uh, I coached the freshman team. I coached the JV in 77 and 78 and then became the head coach in 79. So my whole career coaching wise has been at Holy Ghost. Did it take for you completely initially? Like when you started doing it, like, yes, I have to, I have to be a part of this. This, this just feels right. Oh, I liked it right away. Yeah. There, there, there's no question. I mean, I was, I was you know, very comfortable in the fact that I, I knew that I knew the whole school. I knew that, you know, the way things went, the same coaches were there as when I played. So I was familiar with, with, with everybody there. So yeah, it, 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 it was very comfortable starting out. What are your favorite memories of those early days when you're just kind of getting started, kind of finding your pace, finding your voice as a coach? Well, the first year, I, I felt some pressure the first year because the program was really sound. The previous coach, Tom Kazar, had, had done a, a, a really you know, solid job. And you know, the school was known for, in the area for basketball. We wound up winning the league championship, which in my first year was really, really satisfying because during the year, I, I just felt that pressure. It was a major difference. Uh, coaching freshman, coaching JV was relatively the same. Going from JV to varsity was an immense difference. I, as I'm saying this, I just thought of something a little bit funny. It wasn't funny at the time. Jay Wright was on Council Rock, um, and he was part of the team that gave me my first loss. So we, I think we won our first two or three games, and Council Rock beat us down at our place. 
we beat Bristol for the championship. It was a playoff game. Uh, we wound up winning, I think, 23 games the first year. So had that gone differently and we struggled, well, I don't know how it would have felt. I don't know what would have happened. But, we, you know, we were successful and, and you know, continued to, fortunately, continue to, to do so, you know, have success after that. Looking back at that young age, did you know what you didn't know? If you understand what I'm saying, like when you take over something like that, were there things you had to learn? You talk about the comfort now, of the I, school, but yeah, there, there were things I, I knew I didn't know. There's, there's no question about that. And there are still things that I, I, I know I don't know. So especially with the, the way the game's evolving, I think most coaches are in that situation. You're continuing to try and learn and, and pick up things. I'd be the first to say that my first few years, uh, I did what I was used to, and and that was uh, the, the things that the previous coach uh, did when I was there. And then as time goes on, you change, you put in your own ideas, you put in your own philosophy. The kids are different, and you develop your own style. And um, there are probably still one or two things I run that I've run from the from the get go, but the great majority of stuff has changed regularly throughout the years. You mentioned your first loss to that. Jay Wright squad. Do you remember your first win? Our first win was against, at that time, Bishop Egan High School, Conwell Egan now. Do you remember what it felt like? Like, just look it up at the scoreboard and, you know, triple zeros and you've got a W. I'm pretty sure the score was 60 to 48. I don't, that, I, I think I you know, remember the score. I remember going into the game thinking we should win this game. Coming back from the previous year, what we had back, what they had back, um, I thought, at the time, you know, I remember thinking the you know, first game we played pretty well. So, but I, individual stuff about the game, I, I do not remember. So, if I'm correct, 45 years, just one sub 500 season. No, three, three, three. Um, those three years, we won 12 games, and one of the years it was either one of the years we were 12 and 13, and the other we were the other two we were 12 and 14, or, or it was the other way, 12 and 14 and 12 and 13 twice. I'm not sure, but. There were three years we were under 500, but we were we were close. Right. What allowed you to win at a pace like that? I mean, 42 out of 45 winning seasons is extraordinary. You know, what do you think allowed you to have that type of success? The program was set when I when I started. That was a big advantage. So some coaches walk into situations where they they have to start over, they have to rebuild, and some never get there because there's no tradition. So the tradition was set when I got there. That was a, that was a big advantage. We just, over the years, had, had great kids. Uh, they worked really, really hard. As I said before, my family, my wife, has, you know, tremendous support throughout the years. You cannot be successful without that. Some people may, may talk about the league that we were in, uh, the Bicentennial Athletic League. We were in that up until three years ago when we became independent. That was overall a smaller school league. But when we started out, we were one of those small schools. Uh, when I went to school at Holy Ghost, we had 250 students in the whole school. Now we have 430 or 440. Uh, my early years of coaching, we were still probably high 200s, maybe 300. And then eventually the school grew. So for those who say we had an advantage because numerically we had more students than many of the other schools, they're right. They're right. We, we did for a number of years. But not all those years. And in those years, most of those years, once you got to the postseason, you're playing against schools in your own 
classification, your own, your own size. And we had a lot of success against schools, you know, our own size and, you know, through the district and state tournaments through the years, we did, we did very well. So there, there are a lot of factors, the size of the school, the competitiveness of the kids, the tradition, the coaches that I had, just, just phenomenal. You know, some stayed with me for a long time. Uh, others might be there a year or two and then moved on. But I was very, very fortunate to, to not only have, you know, really good kids, really good players, but, you know, really good, uh, really good coaches. I asked you about the first win. Do you remember the first time that you did something that just almost took your breath away how it made you feel? Whether it was seeing a light go off in a kid that you've been working with who didn't get it, didn't get it, and then all of a sudden you could you could see that switch flip or a move you made during a tight game that really made a difference. Like that that first time when you kind of felt that direct impact of coaching? Uh, <laughs> I don't think I can I can pick out a particular thing. The, the closest thing I can think of is um, I know one person's life I really affected a lot. Uh, I can remember sitting uh, on the floor after practice, leaning up against the wall, my second year of coaching, talking to uh, one of my players who um, was really upset. I thought he was upset at the practice, and it turned out it was it was a home situation. He did not have a father, um, and there were some things going on at home and. Uh, we spoke for a long time. Um, everybody was out of the gym and I'm still speaking to him. And, uh, after I retired, I got a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, congratulatory, uh, emails and calls. I got a, a handwritten letter from him. That's about three pages long indicating, you know, how much, how appreciative he was. And even, you know, remembered that way back when that happened in 1980. So don't know if that's what you're looking for, but that's the thing that stands out to me right now. I'd say that's a little more important than going man-to-man in the fourth quarter. (laughs) But to that point, I mean, that's maybe a top-level example, but have you taken the time to step back and think of all the kids that have come through that you helped mold and maybe in a small way, maybe in a large way, you're a, a, a piece of who they are now? Well, I've gotten a lot of thank yous, a lot of thank yous. Um, And I think as you're, as you're going through this, in the back of your mind, you, you know, you, you, you kind of realize you're, you're affecting these kids. You hope most of them you're affecting positively and probably some of them, you know, you're not their best friend. It didn't work out the way that they had thought. I understand that too. But going through it, you're so tied up into watching the next game or watching film with the next team and you know, going over scouting reports. And then all of a sudden the season's over. And then all of a sudden you're getting ready for the next, the next season, you know, through this. So I've probably thought more about the direction you're talking about in the last couple of weeks than I have for a long time. Yes. Overwhelming at all? Nah, I don't think it's overwhelming. I'm just, I'm just really appreciative that a lot of these people were appreciative of what we were trying to do. And it's really nice to hear from people and say, or hear some of these guys say how they felt, you know, not only me, but the coaching staff taught them life lessons because in the end, you don't really remember how many games you won. You know, you'll remember you'll remember big ones, and I think most people remember losses more than wins. But you remember, you know, taking taking myself like this. Ted Grabowski, you know, was my JV basketball coach and my varsity baseball coach, and you know, he was the single single biggest reason I went into teaching. So, um, you know, if I affected other people, not necessarily going into teaching, but you know, help them head in the right direction in their lives, then that, that's, that's much more important than any, 
any championship he can win. It's extraordinary, I think, to have somebody spend entire career, almost entire life, at one place. Were there ever moments where another school called or that you looked and, and thought, yeah, man, what if I gave college a try or anything like that? Or were you completely comfortable and satisfied and I'll be here as long as they'll have me? When I was younger, when I really when I started out, my, my maybe mid-20s, the the thought of, of possibly leaving Holy Ghost and maybe going to a, a college situation was, was in my mind. I didn't pursue it much because the people that I talked to, some were happy, some were not. But the grind to get there, the the the, the uh, you know, you're going to start out at Division three. You're going to you know, first year you're going to be you're going to be watching film for hours and hours and getting that to the team, and you're not going to be on the court that much. And then maybe next year a little bit more. I didn't want to go through all that. And getting to college, money's never been important to me. So getting to a college situation was maybe a thought, but it didn't last long. Going to another high school, the person to my left here was very influential in getting my head straight uh, to stay at Holy Ghost because a couple times when job opportunities opened in our area with bigger schools, you know, she would say, you really ought to think about this because, for example, you know, if I'm practicing on a Saturday morning at nine o'clock and the practice is supposed to go to 1030, that I'm not going to have a problem if I have to put some more stuff in and stay to 11. Whereas maybe in one of these other schools, there's another athletic team coming in at 1030. Like, sorry, Tony, you're out. You know, she kept saying, you have your own program. You need to really think about that because in, in other situations, you're the coach, but it's really not your own program. So yeah, there were, there were, there were two or three times that I thought about it, but not that long. She's smarter than me. You mentioned, you know, that you remember the losses a lot of times more than the wins. But if I ask you purely basketball on the court, most satisfying memories, games, moments, plays, interactions, are there a couple that immediately bubble to the top? Sure. Sure. I, I think it was 19. I'm not sure if it was 88 or 89. I think it was 88. We had lost. I believe in four consecutive years in, in the, we're eliminating playoffs on buzzer beating shots. Wow. And we went up to, um, I think it was Hanover or two Hanovers, one out by Harrisburg and one up, uh, Pocono area, Wilkesboro below there. We went up there to play uh, a team and we won a game on a last second shot, which I can remember that like it was yesterday. And, and, and the person who made the shot, his name is Rick Morgan is still in touch with, with myself and, and our family. That's one. The time when I met my, my wife, Jane, uh, the 92 team was, was very special. Uh, a game that we won at, uh, at Bristol for the league championship that year at the end of the year. We had a big kid who, who sometimes struggled emotionally, and Jane would, uh, would kind of take him under her wing and, and try and you know, build his confidence. And I remember him, tie game with about two minutes to go, uh, took the ball down the lane and dunked the ball. And then they never scored. We scored like the final like the final ten points of the game. Ninety six team, Jimmy Dillon, who went on to Notre Dame. Uh, I remember winning a game at Abington Friends. Great coach Steve Chadwin. They had two guys who eventually went to Penn, Michael Jordan and Lamar Plummer, and we wound up beating them up there. That was a, that was a really big win. Ninety nine team. And I was fortunate to have um, I had two sons play for me, one in ninety nine and one in two thousand and three. With the 99 team, getting the, the, the Eastern Championship game, we were tremendous underdogs. Um, they had a kid wound up going to Penn. I forget his name, big kid. 
Uh, it was against uh, Susquehanna Township, and we wound up winning convincingly. Uh, I remember that score. It was 40-25. to 25. Well, We obviously tried to slow the game down, and, and, it, and it worked. Most talented teams, probably the 2004 team. A lot of We beat Archbishop Ryan in a close game that year. Uh, we won the district championship by one point over a team, Oxford. We, we just had a, a, a you know, all, all of those seasons were great seasons. But, yeah, I mean, there are, there are numbers of games that, that stand out, you know, as I'm trying to think back here. And, you know, I'm sure there are, are more since then. But trying to look back right now into the deep past, there, there are probably some of the ones that stand out the most. Is there a loss that still gnaws at you? Oh, yeah. The state championship game in 2004, we lost. Um, we were undefeated. That's the only game that uh, we lost the whole year. We probably should have lost the semifinal game, but came back and, and, and won, but just didn't get it done that day. We lost by two points. The other team played very well. We played, I thought, reasonably well, just not good enough. But, you know, that's, that's probably the most disappointing one. We need to take a break. We will have more with now-retired Holy Ghost Prep Boys basketball coach Tony Chapman right after this. This is One on One. And we are back on one-on-one, -on -one, continuing our conversation with Tony Chapman, who just retired after 45 years as the head boys basketball coach at Holy Ghost Prep in Ben Salem. You mentioned coaching your sons. What was that like? Was it difficult navigating where dad starts and where coach begins? Did it work out? Like Looking back on it now, what was the experience like? Well, it was great. I, I really enjoyed it. Both of them were, were, were good players. My, my oldest son wound up being a tennis player, and the next two wound up playing basketball. I, I don't know, you know, I'm not, I don't know what it was like from their angle. I don't know what they would say. I, I know, you know, Jane had a, a big influence in trying to direct them and maybe things that were going on behind the scenes and what they had to deal with um, that I was not aware of. But I think anybody would, would agree with this. I felt I was, I was harder on them than the average person. Uh, I had people telling me my youngest son, Matt, should have been starting as a sophomore. And I, you know, he, he wound up starting as a junior. And then even toward the end of senior year, you know, I had other people at that time starting in front of him. And my, my second son, Brian, he, I don't think he started that year at all. Uh, he was kind of the sixth man coming off the bench and played a lot of minutes. But I was very conscious of how that would be portrayed, coach playing son, it worked out fine. I don't. I can't say it worked out because none of them, neither of them, were were like super players or played you know twice the amount of minutes of of, of other players. Um, but I was I was you know I, I to my knowledge I never had to deal with parents being upset or even other players being upset. They they played great and they they earned their time. But it was wonderful just coaching them. How did Tony Chapman, the coach, change from 1978 to 2023? Uh, 1978. Indiana basketball was big. Bob Knight, hard nosed type of thing. I think I don't think I was Bob Knight, but I was more along the lines of a disciplinarian. As the years have gone on, again, some influence, you know, a lot of influence from my wife. Um, you know, she also was in the classroom a long time and realized, you know, as, as time goes on, kids change. And um, I think if you're going to be successful in any job, you have to be willing to to change to some degree. You know, give up your values and the things that you stand for, but you have to roll with, with some changes. So I don't think the kids that played for me the last number of years would look at me as a, a Bob Knight type, of, you know, disciplinarian type of thing. And yet at the same time, I, I, I felt, you know, I still had pretty good control of the program and respect from the players. So I'm, I'm much different than I was when I started out. But I think most people are as they get older, too. Have the kids changed? 
Yeah. I, well, society changes, which, you know, to me, the kids change. The, the, the values change. You try and, you know, the, the core things you try and keep solid, you know, be honest, be respectful, do the right things. You know, that doesn't matter if it's, if it's 1979, 1879 or whenever it's going to be. But just, you know, things such as the amount of time um, they're going to spend on a sport, the effect that AAU uh, and the specialization of uh, sports has had is 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 really changes. Uh, I think a lot about basketball, probably a lot, most of the sports, but especially basketball. Uh, and and you know we live in America, and and uh, there are parts of of society that are extremely affluent, and uh, because of that, sometimes kids uh, are are brought up and 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 responsibility and and these types of things uh, are not as strong as they should be. Uh, and uh, you know, is, is that at Holy Ghost? Yeah, I think so. It's everywhere, and everybody has to deal with that. So you you have to. I think I don't know if it's meeting them halfway, but you have to bend a little bit because if I tried to instill what I thought was the right way to do everything in 1979, if I tried to do that now, I I wouldn't last two weeks. I mean, the kids, people would would laugh and just just you know, it just doesn't work. So. You have to change, yeah. Mentioned your dean of students. Now, you also taught what, social studies for yes. decades, right? Yes. Same approach to the classroom as the classroom on the court? Were you teaching the same way when it was social studies as when you were teaching basketball? Um, that's a good question. I don't think so. And I think it's, it's hard to explain. Probably have maybe 25 kids or so in a classroom in, in, in basketball you know, sometimes you get 14 or 15, but most years you probably have 12 or 13. So you're, you're dealing with, or I'm dealing with maybe half the kids in the sport that I am in the classroom. Because of, I think, basketball being with those people for two hours a day and sometimes longer and over long periods of time, you get to know those kids a little bit better. You get to know their families a little bit better. You just become closer. And I, I think you can get away with doing things or being a little bit more personal or maybe a little bit more edgy and they understand where you're coming from. Whereas in a classroom, uh, I think you got to be a little bit uh, more careful. You're, you're not going to get to know, uh, at least I didn't, as you know, as many kids as close because you just don't have them that long. And I think I, I would say you'd have to be a little bit more conservative in the classroom than basketball. But that's that's me, you know. If people aren't involved in a sport, then those 25, that is their world. And, and, and you know, I'm sure a lot of teachers do become extremely close with, with their individual students. But I had a, a kind of like a, two things going on at the same time, and it just, it just happened that way for me. I wound up being a little bit like tighter, closer with the, with the, the athletes than I would be maybe with the, uh, with, with the kids in the classroom. Did you relish practice more or the games? Because I've been fascinated, like as I've had coaches in here, my reflex was, oh, well, it's the games. It's the excitement. And it is very much 50-50. You know, there are guys who love the, the adrenaline and the excitement of the game, but then there are also guys who just really enjoy teaching and, and may, having a kid get better, and that's when you get to know the kids. Where do you fall? I'll keep you half and half uh, in a different way. I think the first number of years coaching, I would absolutely say practice. I just really, really enjoyed putting together a practice and seeing the kids improve. Um, I thought we you know, over the years we were successful in a lot of games because we just worked harder than probably the other team did in practice. And I had kids focusing a little bit more. The last number of years, again, maybe because of age or, or just you run out of gas a little bit practices. Uh, I just did not have the, the overall energy uh, that I had years ago. And if, you know, if the energy's here and you move it down, 
what's more important? Well, the game's more important than the practice in the end. So probably I enjoyed the games a little bit more the last number of years than I did the practices. And for the early years, probably the other way around. Is there a certain part of game day that was your favorite? Some coaches love pregame emotion, getting to that kind of fever pitch of tip-off. Others, you know, I've talked to who love the countdown of the final seconds when you know you're going to win, and it's just that that moment. Was there is there a certain point for you that was just kind of, if you had to distill the game day experience to your favorite part, what it would be? I would say before the game, if it's a home game, I felt very calm and most times very confident driving to the game before I even got there. Once I got to the gym, it became a routine. Like, this is what I'm going to do, and this is what the kids are going to do, and they don't even think twice and, you know, whatever. Jane could also, I think, totally agree with this. In the whole experience, the thing that I probably enjoy most is going home and watching the film of the game after the game and trying to dissect what went on. And I I got a lot of enjoyment out of that and and so many times thinking – I don't even remember that during the game. Or, you know, I was surprised, you know, this guy did that. I didn't think. It, it's, it's really a different perspective. But I really, really liked um, looking at the, at the films after the game. How has the game changed? I mean, you mentioned AAU. There's a lot of things around. But just the basketball, has it changed that much? Is like if I showed you a film of a game from 2023, would you almost not recognize it if I showed it to you in 1978? The talent level is so much better. It's not even close. I mean, I can remember growing up and watching a college game with my father, and if there was a dunk in a game, it was, wow, a dunk. You know, now it's it's constant, and it's constant in college, and depending on the high school, it's somewhat constant in some high school games. So the, the athletic ability, the talent, the three-point shot, I think, changed changed a lot. I think the intensity of the of the kids um, has remained pretty constant. Um, I, I'd say, as far as playing hard and 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 working for their coaches and things like that, I don't think that that's changed that much. I think years ago defense was emphasized more than it is now, but I think the deal is um, the kids because of the AAU situation because they're playing so much. They make decisions in high schools to go to high schools that are going to emphasize offense which in the end, they think, and, and rightly so, is going to be a means to an end to get those guys into colleges and then some of them maybe you know, into professional careers. I don't think you look at going to a school to play defense and that's going to get you into the NBA. So just look at the scores. I mean, when, you know, when we're playing, when I'm starting out, you know, most of the games are you know, high 30s, low 40s. Now they're 60s, 70s, or 80s and 90s. So, you know, various, various ways. Um, I don't know if it's, I don't want to say if it's better or worse. It's just, but it is different. There's no question it's different. Who would you say was the most talented kid to come through your program? Via success college wise, it would be college success basketball wise, would be Jimmy Dillon, 96, because he played at Notre Dame. Athletically wise, Brett Manny from 2004, probably the best athlete. He and another guy from class of 88, Gene Giordano were probably the best athletes that I had. Fred is still playing uh, professional lacrosse, but athletically, they, they were in a class by themselves. They, they, they could have played anywhere. How difficult, because when you're dealing with high school, I mean, I remember eighth grade, ninth grade, awkward is the word I would use for it. When you are looking at the kids, the younger kids, 
How difficult is it to project what a kid's going to be capable of just because of the age? And there's so much change from, you know, freshman of high school to senior of high school. And was it something you could get better at or was it just difficult because you just don't know how kid might shoot up five inches over a summer, stuff like that? Like, how difficult was that? To some degree, it's a, a guessing game. Yeah, and sometimes you hit and sometimes you don't. Kind of a standard joke over the years. You used to tell Jane um, the size of the kid's feet and how tall the mom was was, was a good indicator of, of how big that you know that kid is going to be no matter what he was as a, as a freshman. I think you start at, if you're not sure, at least I would start at the kid's love of the game. And it was just kid give you a sense of... Um, yeah, basketball's okay. okay. You know, I don't dislike it. I don't love it or whatever. As other kids just, you know, they'll do anything they possibly can. Well, you want to spend more time with, with the kid, you know, that you think it's, it's going to pay off. Growth is important. There's no question about it. But that kid who really wants to play, if he does grow, is going to be the kid who's going to get stronger, who's going to play in the offseason, who's going to work on agility and do the things that you can't be there for all the time. So at least from my standpoint, when it, when you're – you know, you're not sure, start with who you think is going to try and be the best. Some kids grow and it still doesn't happen. Some kids grow and it does. Some kids don't grow, it doesn't. And some kids don't grow and it does. So there's no magic wand. You just do the best you can. I'm, I'm not saying this this would uh, be my main priority, but I think you also look at their background. You know, if, if I had this kid's brother or this family is noted for athletics, then I think that says something as opposed to maybe if if it's another person who's not involved. Not the main factor, but it is a factor. How often were you genuinely surprised when it was all said and done? Like, and you may go through the roster, would you think to yourself, man, never would have thought that this kid would be able to do X. Or conversely, kind of, but the same thing. Man, it just never, I really thought this kid was going to be something above average, and it just never happened. Yeah, not not often. I'd say... The great majority of the time, it, it, it winds up being what you, what you think. And I think, fortunately, in our situation, there were more, over the years, there were more kids who did wind up being better than I thought, much more so than those who I thought early on would be good and, and never and never worked out. But usually, in my situation, you know, at Holy Ghost, and I think most of the coaches would agree, it, it is what it is, and it usually winds up being what you thought. So we mentioned, you know, you're still going to be working at the school and still some things basketball. Are you kind of curious what it's going to feel like oh, yeah. come November? And yeah. like genuinely, and are you are you confident how you're going to feel? I, I, I don't know if I'm, I don't think about it that yet. You know, it's just, I, there'll be a time when I'm going to start missing things and then how I react um, will be how I react. But I'm very, I'm confident I'm going to find different things to do and, uh, you know, basketball-wise, even if I, if I don't wind up uh, at Holy Ghost at all, I have a, a very good friend, JV coach for years and now my varsity assistant, Bruce Simon. And we would occasionally over the years go to big games, playoff games and things like that. But there were tons of games that we would have loved to have gone to, but we didn't go because we're playing the same night. Uh, so now I can do that. That I will, that I will enjoy. I, I think that will during the season, take up some of the void that may be there. That if I can go once or twice a week to a local game, I'm not going across you know, the state or something, but a local game, uh, I, I think I'll be, I'll be very happy with that. I think the Philadelphia area basketball scene is unique in the country. I think 
and I kind of put high school and college together. I don't think there is a camaraderie like it anywhere else. What has it meant to you to be a, a piece kind of that puzzle of that Philadelphia area basketball community? Well, I never really thought of it that way. I'm just part of the Holy Ghost community, and I was fortunate to, to you know, be able to do this so long at Holy Ghost. You know, when you say that, I, I think of two people that I, I've become pretty close to over the years, um, both Phil Martelli and Fran Dunphy. Um, they both had, um, you know, big effect on, on me as far as coming to camp, um, my camp at school, and, and, you know, getting to see their practices and things like that. So that always kept me in kind of connected to the to the college situation. I certainly, you know, I'm friends with a lot of the, the, the coaches over the years, you know, high school level, and there are some great ones. I, I, I agree. There are some great ones who have retired, and there are some great ones who are still there. You know, we have a friend, uh, uh, a guy named Joe Quinlan, who invited us uh, to, we, we were at three or four of these um, Coaches versus Cancer events where all the big five coaches were there and, and all the, uh, or a lot of the, you know, high school coaches um, in the area. They were great things to, to be part of, so. It, I agree. It's 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 a it's a special situation. Uh, certainly, from the college standpoint, I think the the way you know the, the way the six schools collegiately have evolved has had a big effect on the on the development of high school basketball over the years too. Have you ever brought up the Jay Wright that he gave you your first loss? I think I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I did. I, at one of those uh, coaches versus cancer things. What would he say? <laughs> he laughed. Yeah. yeah. So to. To bring this home, I mean, an incredible legacy, basketball success, life success. What do you hope people take away from having you as a part of their life? Um, I try to treat people fairly. Uh, sometimes that may have been misconstrued. Um, what, what I think is fairness, um, other people may not have, but I, I, I honestly felt I tried to treat people fairly. I tried to get kids to work as hard as they could and develop the best they could. And I, I just wanted people to, you know, to do things the right way. I didn't want them to take shortcuts. So they're just life lessons. Um, I think a lot of coaches, a lot of parents, a lot of educators or, or whatever, a lot, of, a lot of people are teaching the same things. I don't think I'm standing out among other, other people in other fields. Um, but I hope I've been as consistent as possible in, in trying to do that. And if kids, as some have at this point, come back and say he's he's teaching us more life lessons than he did basketball, then that's that's the best compliment I can get. I'd also like to say, you now I mentioned my wife Jane, but you know specifically my 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 sons and my daughter Chris and and Brian and um, and Matthew, my three sons and my daughter Katie have been just instrumental in my ability to do this. Um, and I don't have to tell you, it's it's so much more than just coaching the game that night. It, it's it's all the practices and all the film study and all the running around and watching this and doing that. And they've been great and they've been, you know, they've been an integral part of it. So it's not like they're on the side and I'm doing this. They've been at the games. They've been dragging, the, you know, the four of them on buses over the years to, to, to visit, you know, visiting away games and things like that. So I, I just, you know, I, I owe the most to, to my family. Tony Chapman, thanks so much for coming in. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. 
And that will do it for this week's episode. Want to thank Tony Chapman, the longtime head boys basketball coach at Holy Ghost Prep High School in Ben Salem for coming in and being our guest this week. Now, if you like the show, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor. Leave us a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at one on one pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Leon 1060. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to check us out again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.